That'll be Tuesday at 1 o'clock. I want to encourage you to be here uh, as we celebrate her life and encourage the family. Uh, Mark cha- or Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter number 9, if you're there, let's stand together. I want to look down, if we, we could, uh, for the sake of time tonight. I went ahead and told Brother John when he came back to put my microphone on. Uh, you know, I told you this morning I was going to try to make it two, so we'd average out three, but I had to yield to the Lord, and uh, it's not two, okay? So just go ahead and let you down easy and get it out of the way. I want to look down, if we could, uh, pick up in verse number 20, as we're going to read the account of the woman with the issue of blood. And boy, I believe she's got a testimony tonight that will encourage all of us a little bit in our walk with God and to help us with a difficult situation that uh, we're all going to have to deal with at some point or another. Uh, The Bible says in verse number 20, Matthew chapter 9, Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. Father, thank you for those who are home. Thank you for those that have been healed, Lord, and those that are getting healing. Thank you for the salvation of Derek Fuller. Uh, Lord, didn't know that that we were praying for, but Lord, thank you for saving him. And uh, thank you for our people that are so willing to pray. And I pray that, Lord, you would continue to give grace for all the needs, Lord, that we pray about throughout the week. Lord, I don't know what needs may be here tonight. Lord, we might hide uh, a broken heart with a smile. We might hide a burden, uh, Lord, with a pleasant look. But, Father, you can see far beyond our countenance uh, to the needs of our heart. And I pray that you would just meet them tonight through your word. Uh, Father, I pray you'd give grace, give healing, give comfort. Bless the invitation time tonight. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't go ahead and decide now, Father, that we're not going to respond. I pray that, Father, we'd be open and willing to respond in any way you'd have us to, that your will be done. And I pray that tonight for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, This morning, we looked at what I believe is one of the cornerstones uh, of the Christian testimony, and that's the change that comes about after we get saved. And by the way, I know it's not easy to be changed. It's not easy to give up old habits. I know they die hard. But aren't you thankful tonight that God loves us enough to bring about change in our life? Uh, look, I, I don't like being convicted, and I don't like, look, I listen to preaching throughout the week, and you'd be amazed. Uh, listen, you don't have to be listening to a famous evangelist. I mean, the Word of God, it's quick, it's powerful. When the Word of God's open, there's an opportunity for God to work in our hearts to bring about the change that He desires in our life. And I'll be in my office listening to someone preach, and there are times I just want to hit the pause button. I think to myself, look, I got too much to do. I'm going to mute you for a little while. Why? I don't like being convicted either. But thanks be to God, he loves us enough not to just save our soul, but to bring about that change that we preached about this morning. I believe that's a cornerstone in the Christian's testimony. Think about it this way. The demoniac, the witness of that demoniac in the book of Mark. The Bible says he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. I mean, one moment he's running through the tombs, living in the graveyard. Now he's sitting clothed in his right mind. And the powerful testimony he had, people knowing who he was, and knowing who he is now. The power was in what? The change. I'll give you an easier one, okay? This is an easy amen. I'll go ahead and let you know. That way you can look spiritual. Amen on this one, okay? Think about Lazarus. Think about Lazarus. What was the great testimony in the story of Lazarus? Well, the great testimony was he was dead and now he's alive. What happened? Christ brought about change in his life. What a testimony it is. 
when people begin to see the change that Christ brings into our life, and I believe for the rest of our Christian life, we should be looking forward to the change that God continuously wants to bring. I believe tonight we underestimate the power of a changed life. I believe we underestimate that. Uh, sometimes we think we've got to memorize a lot of scripture, which is great. You ought to memorize it, hide it in your heart all that you can. Sometimes we think we've got to study all of the lessons on apologetics so we can learn how to argue with the atheists and argue with different folks of different denominations. Can I tell you, one of the greatest and most effective tools the Christian has at their disposal is the power of a changed life. Just watching what God has done in your life and watching what God continues to do in your life. Now here's the problem. You and I, if you're anything like me and I think your flesh is probably just as corrupt as my flesh, right? Amen. That's right. All right. That was an easy amen there too. I'm going to give you some softballs tonight. Hit them out of the park, okay? The truth of the matter is we would rather, we would rather quit laughing up here guys, all right? We would rather blend in than be different, right? We would rather blend in. We would rather not look like a holy roller. That was the term when I was a kid. I don't know if they use that anymore. We didn't want to be a holy roller. We didn't want to stand out. We didn't want to be one of those religious freaks. All right, I'm not talking about the Jesus freaks from the 60s. I'm talking about just somebody who doesn't fit in with the world. All right, now we talk about our young people with that in peer pressure. Listen to me, mom and dad. We've got it just as bad. We don't like being someone who's considered not in the mainstream society and adopting the mainstream trends, but here's the problem. God desires to use the different. That's what God wants to use. He wants to show us what we were, and he wants to show the world who we are, and when they try to do the math, how did you go from what you were to who you are, look, this is our opportunity to say Christ. He wants to use that difference. The problem is we're more content with blending in. It's very rare tonight to find someone who desires for their life to reflect what happened in their heart. All right, where does salvation take place? In our heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Aren't you glad God can change a heart? All right, I'm thankful. Look, if you're not excited about that tonight, look, you're not going to do a whole lot for God. Because we're looking at it, this world, it's lost, this world is on its way to hell, and we look at how backwards things are, and we want to give up on people, we want to give up on the, word, on the world, but here's the deal, God can change a heart. If he could change Zacchaeus's heart, if he can change the woman at the well's heart, if he could change our heart, then God desires to work through us to show the world, hey, this is what God can do. You and I are like the mannequins for God. You know, we, we walk around. I don't go to the mall very often. When I was a kid, the, you know, the mall was kind of the cool place to be. And uh, my dad would not let us go to the mall. My dad did not allow us to hang out. If we had to go to the mall, we went and we bought something and we left. We just didn't hang out. I know my dad's weird and now I'm weird because my dad was weird, okay? I, I don't like going to the mall really at all because there's some weird people there. Talking to some of our kids on Friday, we were in the gym and playing volleyball. And uh, I said, do you ever go people watching? You ever go people watching, looking around? There's some weird people in this world. And you walk through there, and I look at some of the mannequins, and I feel like some of the mannequins are trying to talk me out of buying those clothes. I mean, seriously, used to a mannequin was an example of, hey, you could look like this. I'm like, I, I don't want to look like that. I don't even have to go in the store. That was the advertisement for what was on the inside. Do you know that you and I and the change that God brings about in our life, that continual change, it's the advertisement for what's on the inside. 
The problem is we don't want the outside and our life and our countenance and how we live our life to catch up with the inside. We want to blend in. That way we don't stand out. Uh, I read a story, I love reading biographies of successful people, and I read a little bit of a story on Charles Schwab uh, just this past week. Long before he was the steel magnet and long before he was the shipbuilder, uh, Charles Schwab was a stake driver for U.S. Steel Company. Uh, the story goes on to say that uh, he would become the first president of U.S. Steel, but he began as the guy who drove the stakes in the ground. That's what he did. He had a very famous quote that when people ask him about how he got to the successful place that he got to, here's what he said, and boy, I tell you, this bears mentioning in the Christian life. He says, the hardest struggle in life is to be different from what the average man is. The hardest struggle in life is to be different than from what the average man is. We all want to fit in, and we all want to be average, but here's the deal. We don't serve an average God. God is not an average God. Oh, can I tell you, God is sovereign, God is supreme, God is almighty. And oh, if we could just strive to, 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 to cast off the shackles of complacency and stagnation in our life, perhaps something in our life would speak to the amazing God that we serve. But we have to fight this struggle of what? Being different from the average man. Tonight, I want to speak on a subject very simple about this lady we're looking at in her testimony. And here's the subject, the desire to be different. The desire to be different. And we're going to see a lady who had a difference made in her life. Now, we know the story. We've read this in the Gospels. Here's a lady who's been struggling with this same problem for years. All right? Uh, could we just say tonight she's struggling with sameness, right? She has this problem, she's been going through this ailment, she's had this infirmity for many years, and it was the same day in and day out. Now folks, we're talking about a physical ailment here, but I believe tonight we as the people of God suffer in a similar fashion. We suffer with sameness, the same day in, day out, and we struggle with that, and yet she comes to a place where she desires to be different. Oh, can I tell you something tonight? Wonderful things happen when you desire to be different. Wonderful things happen when you get to the place where you're tired of the sameness day in and day out. And I believe she gives us two or three, most likely three, okay? Don't get too hung up on the two. Uh, I think she gives us three steps, if you will, on how we can have a desire to be different and how her life was made different, all right? So look down, if you will. The Bible says in verse 20, Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment now we know the backstory you read a little bit more detail in the other gospels she had spent all that she had she was nothing bettered she had gone through this same problem all the time day in and day out and now she's running out of options she's running out of opportunities to have a difference made in her life why well she's out of money she's gone to all of the doctors and the opportunity to be different is going out the window very fast. And so now she's motivated to be different by one of the most powerful forces on the planet. You know what that is? Desperation. She is desperate. Now we know the, the end of the story. What's going to happen? Well, she's going to be healed. She is going to be made different. What was the first step? Number one, if we want to be different and desire to be different, the first thing we need to do is get desperate. 
We're going to have to get desperate. Now, imagine having the same problem for 12 years. 12 years. Day in, day out, waking up every morning, staring at the same problem. Every morning, waking up and nothing's different. Every morning, trying this, trying that, and there's nothing different. And now she's out of money. Now she's out of doctors. And now she is desperate. Now, a lot of times we use the term desperate as a bad thing. I don't necessarily believe so in the life of the believer. I believe one of the greatest things that could ever happen to God's people is we get so tired of being the same day in and day out and the same problem day in and day out and the same spirit day in and day out. And finally one day we're running out of options, we're running out of time, and we get desperate enough to seek out a difference that only Jesus can make in our life. Getting desperate about that. Now, folks, can I tell you, I believe tonight revival is capable in your heart, in this church, in our city. I believe that with all of my heart. Why? God is still on the throne. Why don't we have it? We desire it. Here's the problem. We desire it, but we're not desperate for it. We want it. You know, Lord, thank you for the food today. Bless the food. Bless my home. And send revival if you get a chance. Amen. We desire it, but we're not desperate for it. I, I'll tell you, look, there's going to come a time we're going to run out of options. This country's going to run out of money. Things are starting to get tight. Man, we almost we had a shutdown, almost a shutdown up there in the government. One day there'll come a time where we finally get desperate for the things of God. I hope it's not too late. What do we have to do tonight to have a difference made? Well, we've got to get desperate. Desire is good. Desperation is better. Why? Because it motivates us. Years ago, to my dad's church, they had a food bank, and uh, man, on every Saturday, folks would come in, and I, I know, first Saturday of the month, they'd come in, and we'd give out food bags, and food bags, and food bags, and it's a great opportunity for people to get to know where our church was. When you're in the middle of the country at the end of a dirt road, uh, you know, you kind of have to uh, yeah, let folks know where you're at, and you give away free food, folks will come down, amen, give away free anything, folks will come get it, you know, we put up a sign, free box of rocks, folks will come out for that, you know. So one day these folks came up and we had the bags of food and uh, in the bags were uh, canned goods and I forget what all else was in there. And uh, I remember one of the gentlemen opening up the bag and looking down in the bag and it was canned chicken, all right? Now for me, I'm a meat eater. I'll eat just about any kind of meat you got out there. I'm a meat eater myself. And he looked in there and he said, I don't eat chicken out of a can. I, I want you to know my soul is saved but my flesh is not. Something welled up on the inside of me that wanted to say something, not walking in the new man. I'll tell you that. I don't eat canned chicken. I wanted to tell him something I've heard my dad say many times. You get hungry enough, you will. You get hungry enough, you will. Oh, uh, our brother Buddy Owens and I were talking a, a while back uh, over at his house. He said uh, he is a connoisseur of all things chitlins. And uh, I said, Amen. Amen. I uh, kind of like Jerry Clower. I don't have a selfish bone in my body. He can have every one of my chitlins all for himself. I've, I've had an experience twice with chitlins. Once was boiled, once was fried. Both were bad, real bad. I'm telling you, they, they lie to you and they tell you they don't taste like they smell. They do. All right? Now, maybe if you had COVID and you can't smell anymore, hey, maybe, maybe I can eat them now because I can't hardly smell with the flip. And Brother Buddy, Brother Buddy says, I, I love those. And I'm like, I don't know that I could, could eat them. You know, he said he's going to cook them one day. And I said, fry them crisp. Fry them crisp. That when I bite into them, they turn to powder. 
That, I don't want no slime. No slime. Oh, not at, whoa, not at all. You know, as much as I hate chitlins, I bet you if I got desperate enough, I'd eat them. I bet you I would. Can I tell you tonight, folks, I, I honestly believe the reason we wake up the same Christian today, the same Christian tomorrow, we're going to be the same Christian. We desire to be different, but we're not desperate yet. We're not desperate. What does the Bible say? Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. They're going to find what they're looking for now. you got to look up that word hunger. It's very important. Here's what it means. Look, we eat here in America for fun. We do, right? Eating is a pastime. It really is. I, I'm just raising my hand. I can eat Pop-Tarts, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or dessert for either of those. I, I, cereal is probably one of my favorite snacks. I can eat cereal, Golden Grahams, all day long. I, I love that. I don't eat because I'm hungry. I eat because I enjoy it. We don't really understand what hunger is in America. We don't. We eat as a pastime. Here's the word hunger in Matthew 5, 6. To suffer want or to be needy. To suffer want or to be needy. Here's what he's saying. When you get desperate and you get hungry for righteousness to where you seek it out because you're desperate for it, you are hungering, you're in want of that, you're in need, hey, that's when you're going to be filled. But first you've got to get desperate. That's our problem tonight. We desire it, but we're not desperate enough for it. Jeremiah 29, 13. I love this verse. Never thought about this until this afternoon when I was getting ready to preach. Jeremiah 29, 13. The Bible says that you seek me, you're going to find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Never thought about it this way. The Bible says when you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. It almost seems like our heart is now empty. The heart is ready to be filled. It's needy and it's want. What did he say? He says, that's when you'll find me. That's when you'll find me. In America, we are so blessed that I'm thankful for the country God's led us to live in, but I'm afraid that our prosperity has led us away from God rather than to God. And in our prosperity, we have so many things that we can fill the void for a little while, don't we? I know that only God will satisfy me, but hey, stuff will pacify me, correct? I mean, hey, if I just go buy something else, it'll make me feel better. If I just had a little more of that, or you know what, if I just went and did this, and there's too many things occupying the space of our heart where only God should be. And after a while, we try and we try and we get to a place to realize, I keep having to do this again and over and over and keep getting more and more and more and nothing will satisfy me. And finally, our heart is empty. The Bible says we seek him with a whole heart. I believe that's an empty heart. It's finally been emptied out. The Bible says that's when we're going to find him. This lady, we know the story. I'm going to hurry, but hear this out tonight. The Bible says she had spent all and was nothing better. She had spent all. Do you know what that means? The bank account was empty. Bank account was empty. Folks, can I tell you, I don't think they had, you know, Chase Visa credit cards back then. I think she went to her little, maybe she had a little box in her house with some money saved up in there. And she went, man, it's empty. She's done spent it all. And boy, when that money box gets empty, you know what happens? You get desperate. You get serious. Sometimes one of the greatest things that can happen to us is for us to be emptied out. And desperately in need of being filled. Psalms 42, we sing about it. I love the song. The Bible says, as the heart panteth after the water, 
Uh, my dad used to take me hunting a lot when I was a kid. And dad would put me by one tree, and then he would go sit up by another tree on the other side of the creek, but we could see each other that were there. And um, every once in a while, back in the 80s, people used to run deer dogs. Anybody remember that? Deer dogs, they have deer dogs running everywhere. You have people lining the highways and, you know, waiting for that deer to come across. And uh, I remember my dad using this illustration years ago, and I got to see it one day. Uh, these dogs, you heard them go, woo, woo, woo. And man, here comes this deer running through, and the deer's mouth is wide open. His tongue's hanging out of his mouth. He was just thirsting for water. He'd run, and he'd run, and he'd run, and, and he was in pursuit. These dogs were in pursuit of him, and he's running, running, running for his life, and he just desperately needed water. Every time I read Psalms 42, I think about that. That's that deer panting for the water. Folks, can I tell you, that's what desperation looks like. That's when we're going to find what we're looking for. That's when we're going to be motivated to seek the difference in our life that only God could give. Friday, I got to, to play volleyball with uh, the, the kids in the gym, and, and then I went outside and threw the football with some of the guys on the football field. And you ever, ever just have these moments where you feel young? They come, and then they go. The problem is, when they come, you hurt yourself before they go. And everyone was out there throwing the football with you guys out there on the field. And man, I'm just having a good old time out there. I was in my suit. I took my coat off, and I was still in my suit pants and dress shirt, you know, and just impressing the guys with my skills. Amen. And Nehemiah said, yes, yes. He, I guess they thought just because you're a preacher, you're not athletic. I'm like, no, you know, you still got to get all that. And then after I threw the football for a while, I told Brother Zach, I said, hey, I, I need to go get out of this suit. You know what I really needed? I needed water. I think it was Miss Brittany I asked, is it supposed to hurt right here? What about throwing the football? Hurts right here. I got to the house. I have a, a glass that I drink out of at our house. Uh, it is a small mason jar. I don't know why, but I love drinking out of a mason jar. And just a country boy at heart. And I usually get that out of the cabinet. And when I opened up the cabinet, I saw the mason jar. But then I saw a 32-ounce cup that was there. I thought, man, mason jar's good. 32 ounces or better. I filled it up with ice, filled it up with water within about 10 minutes. It was empty. Now, I don't normally drink out of that, but I was thirsty. I was dry. I was in need of some hydration. Can I tell you, if we just sought out the difference that God could make in our life on each and every day, oh, I tell you, our life would be a witness. But not only do we have to desire it, we have to be desperate for it, all right? Number two, you seem like you're with me. Let's keep going, all right? Look down to verse 21. The Bible says, for she said within herself, oh, that is an important line you can't overlook tonight. Now notice, before she acted, something happened internal. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Oh, there's the second step tonight to being different. If you desire to be different, number two, you've got to be decisive. You've got to be decisive. The Bible says that she said within herself. You know what that means? That means she made up her mind. She made up her mind. No, watch this. I am desperate to be different. I'm tired of the sameness. I'm tired of the same problem day in and day out. I'm desperate now. Watch. She decided within herself, I am going to have a difference made in my life. I believe the number one reason tonight we're not different is simply this. We haven't decided to be. We simply haven't decided to be. You say, well, I decided, look, we decide to be different like we decide to go on a diet. Right? How long does that last? I just heard somebody amen from the hallways. Amen. I'm glad they can hear us now. 
you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. Uh, I've been looking at the forecast. I told Leslie that on the way to church today, I said, did you see the temperatures for next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Anybody seen those? Highs in the 70s, lows in the 50s. Amen. Amen. We've been praying for those temperatures. They're coming. Just, just a little bit later than we wanted. And I said to myself, you know, Leslie's been wanting to go walking around the community. You know what? That'll be the perfect time to go walking. Highs in the 70s, lows in the 50s, and we wait for things to get just right, don't we? Yeah, I am going to go on that diet. I am going to start walking. I'm going to start doing better when everything gets just right. No. Can I tell you when you're going to do it? When you decide to do it. The Bible says she said within herself, she said, you know what? I'm desperate to be different. I'm desperate for change. I'm tired of being the same. And so she decided within her heart. By the way, all throughout scripture, you'll see that decision is what leads to change in our life. Prodigal son, what did the Bible say? The Bible says he came to himself. We're going to come back to that here in just a minute. I want you to think about that. He came to himself. What does that mean? Watch. Oftentimes, the reason we're not different, watch, we point at other people. Well, I would be better if they were better. I'd be a better husband if she was a better wife, or, and I'd be a better wife if he was a better husband, and we point to everybody else on why we're not better than we ought to be. But wait a minute. The Bible says the prodigal came to himself. He came to himself. I heard this yesterday. I, I'm not necessarily a big Dion fan, coach of Colorado. Uh, no knock on if you are, but I'm, I'm not a, a terribly big fan of that. And uh, yesterday he asked a reporter this. It was during the post-game news conference. They lost to USC by a touchdown, did really well. And they've been questioning whether or not people believed in his program. And here's what he said. I wrote it down. It was great. He said, if you still doubt, go look in the mirror and slap the person you see. <laughs> Can I tell you something tonight? If you want change, but don't have change, I'm going to scale back just a little bit to be politically correct. Go look in the mirror and blame the person you see. Because the Bible says what? She said within herself. The Bible says the prodigal, he came to himself. At some point, we get desperate enough to be different, we've got to decide to be different. Desire is great. I'm thankful to have a desire that God puts in there to do his will on good days and bad days. But a desire is not enough. At some point, you've got to decide. Uh, we were at uh, Ed's Diner having dinner with one of the college tour groups, and uh, they, they, the young guys will ask the pastor questions. Hey, tell me what is your biggest mistake? Tell me the greatest lesson you've learned in ministry. And so they asked me, they said, what is one of the greatest lessons you have learned in ministry? And man, I was eating a cheeseburger. I was not thinking spiritual. Uh, so I just had to think for a moment, and uh, something popped in my mind. And this is what I told them. One well, of the greatest lessons I have learned in ministry is the fact that destiny does not exist. Destiny does not exist. You see what I mean? Well, people are all wrapped up in this destiny thing. This is my destiny that I do this and I am destined to become this and destined to become that. As if our decisions have nothing to do with it. You can be the most talented you can have the best skill set in whatever it is you think you're destined to do. But at some point, if you do not decide to do what God desires to do with you, destiny cannot help you. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to come to myself. I'm going to look at the guy in the mirror and I'm going to say, hey, you're the biggest problem that I have. It is. Oh, can I tell you, you ought to talk to yourself every once in a while. It's okay. Go look in the mirror and say, you know what? You're the biggest problem that I have in my life. Here's what she did. Watch what the Bible says. 
for she said within herself. She didn't blame the doctors. Man, those doctors took all of my money, and they didn't do anything for me. No, she didn't blame the doctors. She didn't blame the bank. They won't give me another loan so that I can go see another doctor. The Bible says she said within herself. Here's the problem. I have this need, and I've got to decide I'm going to do something about it in order to find the healing that I want. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid tonight, because we're raised in the Bible Belt, we know our Bible, we can quote Scripture and all that's great. I'm afraid we go through the motions, but I don't know how sincere we are about being different. You know why? If we're going to be different, it's going to cost us, all right? You can't want to be different and stay the same. It's going to cost you something in order to be different. Here's a good example, Joel chapter 2, verse 13. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Rend your hearts, not your garments. So here they go, rending your garment. And the Bible was an expression of grief and great turmoil and sadness and mourning. And they would rend their garments. And God says, I don't want you to rend your garments. I want you to rend your heart. That's where the problem's at. Hey, quit putting on a show and be sincere. And that sincerity begins in our heart. Desiring is good, but at some point you've got to make a decision. I think about this lady. We're going to close with the last part of this verse, but I want you to think about this. At some point, she is going to have to reach out for his garment, correct? But long before her hand ever left her side, her heart was already reaching. She'd already reached out with her heart. She had made up her mind, I'm going to be different. I'm desperate to be different. Desire wasn't enough. It had to be followed up with a decision. Now, let me show you the last part and we'll be done. Bible says, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Don't know if I ever thought about this, but there's a personal pronoun right there in verse 21. If I may but touch his garment. If I may but touch his. I want you to notice tonight that in order for her to find the difference that she desperately sought in her life, it was no longer about her, and it was full dependence upon him. It's his garment that I need. It's his. Number three, tonight, if we truly want difference in our life, what do we got to do? Get desperate. Number two, be decisive. Number three, choose dependence. Choose dependence. Oftentimes, the reason we can't reach for his garment is because we won't let go of our ideas. You can't. You're like, God, I, I know, but God, I can't reach for your garment because, I look, I, God, I've got this plan. God, I've already rethought about this. Number one, look, God's plan is always better than ours. <laughs> Aren't you glad? His ways are higher. God, I've thought about this, and I've got a better plan. No, 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 you don't. You never have a plan better than God's, all right? You may have a better one than your buddy sitting next to you. You may have a better one than your buddy at work. You're never going to have a plan better than God's. And God's plan says, trust me with all your heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Let go of all that we're holding on to that's keeping us from change. And reach out and grab the hem of his garment. Full dependence. She said, watch, verse 21. If I may but touch his garment, 
I shall be whole. I believe tonight, so often the reason we struggle, the reason we struggle is not because we don't have faith. I think it's our faith is misplaced. For 12 years, her faith was in all that she could do. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you ought to do all that you can do. But never substitute all that you can do for only what God can do. Don't ever substitute. You are never going to be a good substitution for what only God could do. And at some point, you get desperate. You be decisive. And you choose, I'm going to depend upon him. I need to touch his garment. And oh, when our faith shows up, watch what he says. Verse 22. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. At some point, it's got to be his will. It's got to be his way. If we truly want to be different than we were when we woke up this morning, it's got to be his way. Because he's the one who brings about the change. Have you ever tried to change somebody? You know, I'm telling you, I, I know it's, it's an adage, but it's true. I have talked to so many young ladies and young men in pre-marriage counseling, and they would say, well, you know this, and there's this, and there's that, and there's that, but you know what? I'm going to change them. But the odds are against you. I'm just saying my personal experience, the odds are against you. I know she convinced me to be an LSU fan, but, uh, you know, we lost yesterday, so anyway. The odds are slim. We can't change each other, but boy, God can change us. How do we find the change that we need in our life? Well, watch this. Number one, get desperate. Number two, be decisive. Number three, choose dependence. It's not about you. It's all about his reaching out for what only he can do. Now tonight, watch this. We're about to have invitation time, closing my Bible. Do you know we could leave here different tonight? We could leave here different. I believe God stands at the, I don't believe God is standing up there thinking, no, I'm not going to change those people. No. You see, he's glorified in the change that comes in our life. That's when God gets glorified. And people say, wow, look what God did. And they say, well, if God could change him, maybe God could change me. And if God could change her, maybe he could change my home. And if God could reach that family, maybe he could reach my family. That's where the witness is at. So what's the holdup tonight? Can I ask you this? Are you desperate? Are you desperate to be different? Number two, would you be decisive? Would you confront the person who's in charge? Would you just come to yourself and say, hey, guy in the mirror, you're my biggest problem. And I'm making up my mind. I want God to do a work in my life. So how do you do that? Well, look, here's the good news. You don't have to change you. God will change you. But you've got to trust him to change you. Amen? Let's pray together. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand together tonight. Father, I thank you tonight.